and we are live welcome back to takes by fans we got a great show for you today as always we are live every single day at noon eastern if you want to watch live head over to twitch.tv slash takes by fans if you want to watch but not live head over to our youtube channel takes by fans we post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis and if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Alrighty, today's a big old Friday. We got NBA playoff basketball on again tonight. Thank goodness. We got Bucks Hawks game two. Ooh, I don't know, man. This Bucks team, I just don't think they can get it done against the Hawks. But we'll break down that game, see what the spread is. We may get some great value. Let's see if kind of Vegas is kind of, you know, fading, kind of not really appreciating all the Hawks can really do. Because even during that 76er series, the Hawks on the road were always getting like plus seven or eight points. And in game one on the road against the Bucks in this series... They were plus eight, so we may be able to get some great value. Because if they're getting eight, if they're getting like five, six, seven, eight points, absolutely, we are going to hammer that big time. I just don't think the Bucks have it. But we'll preview that game, see if we can get that great value. We're kind of we're we're hoping that we can get that good value. We missed it on game one. We're not going to miss it two games in a row. I can guarantee you that. So we'll break down that game, preview it, and do our money maker. Uh, playoff basketball was on last night, and, you know, Clippers do what they always do. Down 0-2 and then win game number three at home. They won it again. Their defense absolutely smothered the sun, so we'll break down that game as well. And today we are, we will, we will be able to get, we will be able to get to uh, the divisional round of the Packers-Dallas 2014 playoff game to judge Aaron Rodgers. How much credit does he deserve for that for that playoff win? We'll break it down, look at the stats, watch some film on it, and see what Aaron Rodgers is doing in that game. So we got all that today on the show, but let's just jump right into it. Of the stories of the day, and the first one up, we got a little bit more insight on the tight end university. And the first clip up here is just Travis Kelsey having a good-ass time, <laughs> which is what we knew. We saw them all drinking and hanging out, having fun. So at kind of the introductory mingle session where George Kittle and Greg Olson are, you know, kind of, all right, thanks, everyone, for coming. You know, we love doing this, blah, blah, blah. You just hear Travis Kelsey in the back just cheering and screaming saying let's go clapping just so excited to be there obviously he's one of these people that put the program together him George Kittle and Greg Olson those were the three tight ends that came together to have this tight end summit in Nashville and you know Travis Kelsey trying to get it everyone pumped up George they're all kind of just speaking like monotone like you know yeah thanks for you know coming out and you know this is the first annual and then you just hear Travis Kelsey in the background let's go It's like, all right, all right, yeah, you know, we love the energy, but we're all just kind of chilling here, so that's kind of, you know, what night one was like, just getting hype in the introductory, but they are doing work. It's not all just drinking and having fun and, you know, having a good time. They are on the field. We get this uh, picture today. Let me mute this. We still got Travis Kelsey yelling over here, uh, but uh, yeah, they're actually on the field. 
And like the best thing about this, they got their own t-shirts made. <laughs> Tight end university, T-E-U. I mean, how, you can go stunt around in that t-shirt. Be like, oh yeah, oh yeah, me, little old me, this tight end over here. Uh, you know, me, little old Mike Kosicki over here. Yeah, I went to the tight end university. No big deal. I picked some brains. I had some fun. I learned from the best and now I'm the best. Oh, oh yeah, this shirt right here. And everyone's going to be flaunting it. I hope whenever you face the Jaguars this season, if some for some reason Tebow makes the team, I hope everybody wears their tight end university shirt around Tim Tebow. I do, folks. Rub it in. Rub it in. Tim Tebow, you don't belong. You don't belong, man. Get out of the league. Nobody respects you. For real, folks, we just read George Kittle's quote yesterday on, you know, why he did not invite Tim Tebow. They don't respect him, folks. He said, you know, the polite political thing that you have to say. You know, uh, you know, oh, you know, we, we just kind of ran out of spots. Uh, unfortunate. If we could have invited, I think, uh, 47. I think 47 tight ends were ended up going there. But if we had 48 spots, oof. We would have got him, but you know, no, no, they don't respect him. And I'm telling you, they were clowning that man day one, night one, when everyone was drinking and everyone's like, oh, is Tebow here? You know, they were clowning him. So if you have this coveted tight end university shirt, wear it on the road at home games. When you play the Jacksonville Jaguars, rub it in this man's face. But we got some pictures of there uh, uh, um, of tight end university rocking the shirts and then, you know, doing some drills out there. So they are getting work done. Little three day summit uh ends uh today ends today today's the last day started wednesday thursday and then uh friday so today is the last day of the tight end summit i'm sure they're gonna end it with the bang they started it with the bang and i'm sure they're gonna be partying tonight once all their kind of work and picking their brain and practice sessions are over so um, I don't think we'll get any information, any more information on tight end university, but uh, if more clips, more highlights emerge, we'll definitely talk those through tomorrow on the show. But uh, yeah, nice little tight end summit. Everyone wants to get respected. They, you know, there was just a quote. It wasn't that big, so I didn't want to kind of bring it up, but um, it was just uh, one of these big tight ends here, you know, saying, hey, we do everything and we kind of get disrespected. We want some respect. We're blocking. We're in the trenches. We're with the linemen, you know, all that. And we have to go out there and run routes and go over the middle and have to kind of, you know, block and get hit over the middle by these freaking big linebackers, 6'3", 245, big smack when I'm just trying to go over the middle and be a little safety blanket for my quarterback. So they want the respect, and that's kind of why they had this tight end summit over the last three days. And... Uh, just because, like we've been we've been saying it over the past couple of days, folks, this tight the tight end position has been revolutionized over the last eight 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 years I would say it's been getting more mainstream more productive you need kind of a an 800 to a thousand yard capable yard tight end in this league folks I mean you see what is winning championships what is getting to the Super Bowl you have to start respecting their game and the fact that Travis Kelsey rivaled Tyreek Hill I do let's look that up did, did Travis Kelsey officially have more receiving yards than an actual wide receiver on the Chiefs I th I know it was close and I do think Travis Kelsey was number two but let's get the official numbers up of what Travis Kelsey did last season because it's almost unbelievable folks almost unbelievable so here we go. How many yards? 1,400 yards, folks. 1,400. That is insane for a tight end. That may be the record, honestly. I, I, I don't know. What does Shannon Sharp got? Shannon Sharp got anything like that? Let's bring up his stats real quick. Let's see what Shannon Sharp was doing. 
See, Shannon Sharp maxed out at 1,100. He only had 3,000-yard receiving years in his career, folks, and he played for 14 years. So this is what we're talking about. Yeah, Shannon Sharp Shannon Sharp's one of the goats at the tight end position, but this is the new way, folks. This is the new era. We're talking about 1,000 yards every single season. Look at tra <laughs> these numbers are insane, folks. Travis Kelsey's numbers are literally insane. Rookie year, he really didn't play, only played one game and did didn't even get a catch there, so that's a bum year. His second year in the league, already at 600 yards. His third year in the league, 800 yards. And then for the last five seasons, folks, 1,000 yards plus. 1,100 yards, 1,000 yards, 1,300 yards, 1,200 yards, 1,400 yards last season. And he only played 15 games because we know all the starters took week 17 off, folks. So this, this is what we're talking about, folks. If you're not getting 1,000 yards at the tight end position... You're kind of hurting your team and doing your team an overall disservice. Hey, Tim Tebow, are you looking at this? You better study this, man. I know you weren't invited to Ted End University, but you better be studying, 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 going on vacation, family vacations, but still studying exactly what Travis Kelsey has done over the last five years. It's absolutely incredible. Let's get up George Kittle because he's kind of the number two here. What was he doing? I, he, he did break 1,000 yards last season if he was playing the entire year. Let's get that up. Let's refresh our memory a little bit here. George Kittle. All righty. Here we go. Yeah, only played eight games last season. A little injury there, and he still got 635 yards in eight games. You double that, eight games for 16 games for an entire season, and we're looking at 1,200 yards receiving. Absolutely magnificent. And his uh, last two years, 2018 and 2019, he's broken 1,000 yards uh, receiving. 1,300 yards and 1,000 yards. Folks, this is what we're talking about. So that's why these players, that's why they're kind of, you know, George Kittle got to the Super Bowl, what, two, three years? ago uh Travis Kelsey has been to the Super Bowl the last two seasons and won one this is what you need on your team an elite tight end that's why we cannot buy Tim Tebow even a sliver folks you think Tim Tebow is gonna have a thousand yard receiving season Come on, folks. The man hasn't ever played tight end. George Kittle Travis Kelsey have been doing it their entire lives and this is where they are at this moment so this is why, you know, it's not just that we don't like Tim Tebow. We don't. We don't like the man. We don't respect the man. But he's also not going to be productive. And this is what you need, folks. We've seen what wins rings. Good pass uh, rushers, good quarterbacks, and good tight ends. That's all the same in the last kind of three, four, five Super Bowl winners right there, folks. So you got to give respect to these, these, these guys out there. Absolutely. Just absolutely magnificent in what they do, folks. Catching the ball, going over the middle, sacrificing their body, being the safety blanket, and then also on top of that, blocking. They do everything they want respect, and this is why they deserve respect, folks. 1,400 yards receiving, 11 touchdowns. Absolute, Folks, I mean, he's got more receiving yards than actual wide receivers, folks. Come on! Jeez, what did it, let's bring up some wide receivers here. What do we got? Let me get let, let me get Stephon Diggs. What did he do last season? He did real good. Uh, number one wide receiver for J Josh Allen. What did he do last season for receiving yards? Fifteen hundred led the led the league in fifteen hundred. Travis Kelsey was at fourteen hundred. The man's a tight end. Come on, woof, man! I mean, this folks. I mean, what what more do we need to move prove? What 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 is uh, DK Metcalf got? 
Oh, and I just realized what we were trying to do. That, that's why we were bringing up uh, – we wanted to see if Travis Kelsey had more stats and uh, more receiving yards than Tyreek Hill. Uh, but let's go to DK Metcalf. He had 1,300 yards. More receiving yards than DK Metcalf. But let's go to Travis Kel or um, Tyreek Hill. That's who we initially wanted to compare him to. His own basically number one wide receiver on the team, Tyreek Hill for the Chiefs. And Tyreek Hill had – 1200 this man this tight end led his team at receiving yards at the tight end position give them some respect folks they truly deserve all the respect and that's why we told you if you play fantasy football max out every single position with a tight end folks we just named off 40 of them all 40 plus that went to that tight end university draft them all first round second round third round whenever you can get a tight end in fantasy football you go out and do it do it get them get them get them all get them all it's like pokemon collect them all get them all so tight end university is coming to a close and uh, thank goodness tim tebow is not there because he would ruin it the man's got zero zero receiving yards am i going to go with zero receiving yards or 1400 i think we all know the obvious answer and i'll let y'all decide on that but uh tight ends deserve respect folks and we're going to be big on the tight ends this year. Darren Waller, Kyle, Kyle Pitts, obviously George Kittle, obviously Travis Kelsey, uh, Mike Kosicki making the cut, Evan Ingram. We've got we've got an abundance, folks. we got an abundance of tight ends. Start respecting them big time because they're just getting started, folks. They're just getting started. They've had their own summit. They're like, hey, we all fucking deserve respect. Are we all right? I mean, we, we're all trying to win individually, obviously, but we got to put the tight ends on the map, baby. This is our time. And what more? What what better duo to kind of lead the tight end charge in this than Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, folks? I mean, they're just great personality personalities and great people just in general, they seem. And then they're big voices as well. They're very vocal in the NFL. So what better duo to lead the new wave, the new era of great tight ends in this league than Travis Kelsey and George Kittle? I'm getting big on them already, folks. I'm getting excited about watching tight ends. I mean, we're going to change the name. I mean, maybe, we, maybe instead of Derek Henry, we get uh, we get a tight end for the three panel canvas behind us. We get a we get a flag of uh, of all the tight ends there. Let me get a tight end university flag. That's what we're doing, folks. Uh, whenever we're, we're gonna get a tight end university flag, and that's gonna be our backdrop. Derrick Henry and tight end university, folks. Start respecting it. Woo! I can't. Oh, folks, we're like seventy six days away from the NFL. I just want to see the tight ends. Woo! Alrighty, let's move on because I could talk about tight end university and tight ends all day, folks. I'll go through all those. Mike Kosicki. Uh, let's bring up Mike Kosicki. What has he got? Career yards. What did he do last season? Very, very good season last season for him. He had 700 yards. Really getting there, folks. Really starting to get there. Watch out for that. Um, Evan Ingram. Let's look at that man. What do we got for Evan Ingram? Because he's going to have his work cut out because we all, we all know that Giants team has uh, big... Big, um, big, uh, the, the wide receivers are plentiful over there in uh, New York. Uh, he had 654 yards, so you got to get those numbers up a little bit more, Evan. Come on, a little bit more up there. But, uh, yeah, it's just absolutely fantastic what they're doing. And, uh, man, oh, man, I wish I was there. I want to learn. I want to see what they do, man, because they're going to have a breakout year. Watch. Every tight end is going to have a 1,000-yard receiving besides Tim Tebow. And the ESPN and the media is going to be like, oh, my God, did you see Tim Tebow? No, we didn't see no damn Tim Tebow out there. We're focused on actual, real, productive, Super Bowl-winning tight ends. Not Timis Tebow over here, folks. Garbage. 
Oh man. Oh, I can't. I folks, folks, folks. I cannot stand. I cannot stand to see Tim Tebow make that final roster, folks. I will. I will go insane. I will go insane when they cut that roster down to 53 and Tim Tebow is on that team. I will explode for an hour and a half on the show. Do you understand me? Do you understand me? <sighs> All right, folks. This is why we need real tight ends. Real tight ends. This is what they do. They get it done. All right, let's move on now. Now we'll move on officially. All right, here we go. Not good news either. Not good news. We just talked about this yesterday, and all the information is not good. So Dolphins cornerback Xavier Howard reportedly remains adamant, quote, adamant about getting a raise despite having four years left on his contract. And this is just so not great. We need him. He's a key part of our defense. We we gushed over his stats and what he's doing, missing all those games and still missing 15 games over the last three seasons and still leading the league in interceptions, folks, by corners. It's absolutely spectacular what this man can do. Brian Flores, uh, Brian Flores, a defensive-minded head coach. Our defense was the best thing about the Dolphins these last two seasons, folks. The defense kind of carrying the team. That's why Tua only had to be a game manager year one. And that's why he has all those wins. We like Tua, and we're not knocking Tua, but it was the defense that carried us. Got Tua multiple short fields, um, held the opposing team to not a lot of points, so Tua didn't have to go out there and sling the ball around and be the man. He relied on the defense, and Tua was just a game manager. And we are not knocking game managers, folks. Obviously, Tua's in his rookie year, so obviously, what what more are you going to do? I mean, Justin Herbert's the only one that's not a game manager so far year one rookie year because... Because he's absolutely spectacular, folks. We'll gush about Justin Herbert all day and tomorrow. But uh, we need all of our corners there. We need all of our pieces here defensively. Now, I do believe Brian Flores can maybe get it done without Xavier Howard. I mean, I try. I mean, this man is kind of you know putting new pieces in place every single year. Um, you know, the defense has always been great. I don't think it really hinges on one player. But obviously, you want an elite player when you can have them. No, and we know that kind of corners in this league they don't have that great kind of elite lifespan. We're talking maybe three or four great years at maximum Richard Sherman Stefan Gilmore has been in this league a while and just started to emerge maybe 2019 when he won defensive player of the year and then fell off last year so um, now we're kind of looking at um, Jalen Ramsey he's kind of this new age or the newest I should say not new age but uh, kind of this newest cornerback that's having all-time success a true shutdown corner but it doesn't last that long so um, I think Brian Brian Flores can kind of find another substitute for this man if for we we got to knock on wood saying this if for some reason he doesn't show up and he officially holds out in the training camp but uh, yeah it's not good man and it's just frustrating that he wants more money every single year like we said I mean we talked about it in depth yesterday on the show it's just you know you're just gonna always you know demand more money every single year it's, that's just not how anything works I mean literally nothing works like that if that's how you want to play you can then sign one-year deals you can do that nobody's stopping you from doing that the only reason why you don't do that is because you want to secure the money se secure at least four or five years of, um, 
you you secure that kind of four or five years of sustainability. You're, you're under contract. You don't have anything to worry about. Um, so that's why everyone gets those kind of four or five year deals. Uh, but you can go out and get the one year deal. Nobody's stopping you from doing that. If you truly want to bet on yourself, that's absolutely fantastic. But you sign bigger deals because if if I get injured, if something happens, I'm I, I got a safety net here. I'm I'm under contract still. So. Um, we'll see. I, 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 they're not going to pay him. I, I, I truly don't believe that the Dolphins will give him a raise because if you do, then just next season, he's going to do the same thing if he's great. And, you know, we want him to be great, but it's like, geez, Louise, man, every year you're demanding more and more and more and more money. And we say, folks, you, you your contract is not what you're doing now. It's what you've done. So next four years, then you ask for that big payday. And if they don't give it to you, then you walk. Somebody will will pay that money for this man if he's still providing those numbers and stats. So it's unfortunate that he's adamant about getting a raise and kind of holding out this season. Now, the only the only kind of information and kind of way I get behind this man and support what this man is doing is because the Dolphins just signed Kyle Van Noy to a four-year deal. He was there one year, and then they cut him. Then they cut him. So, yeah, he's trying to secure the money now. And I understand it from that perspective. This Dolphins team is like, yeah, I mean, we're, we're signing and cutting players. It doesn't matter if we signed you for four years. We're cutting you. Um, it, like It's that simple. We're getting new pieces in and out here. This is not anything long-term. And from that perspective, I can agree with Xavier Howard. Hey, I, I, I want a big contract because if you're just going to cut me, I want big money for this year then because I'm going to probably go to a trash team after you cut me and they'll have to take on that contract. But hey, I'm, I'm going to get paid year by year, big time here, if you're just going to cut players willy-nilly one year on four-year deals. So for, from that perspective, I can understand what Xavier Howard is doing. Um, so the Dolphins kind of, kind of did this to themselves a little bit, not respecting Kyle. I, I truly don't understand why we just cut Kyle Van Noy like that. The man's great. The man's a great leader, veteran in this league. And we cut him, we signed him, we signed him, he plays one year, and then we just get rid of him. So... We'll see what happens with Xavier Howard, but quote, he's adamant, folks. He's adamant about getting a raise. We'll see. Alrighty, next one up, and man, oh man, did this come out at the right time. So yesterday on the show, we got we felt so great because the odds of Justin Fields being the starting quarterback for uh, the Bears week one was officially bettable. The odds were released, and we still haven't calmed down from that, folks. We still have not calmed down from that. But after that show, I go on Twitter, and what the heck do I see? I see Justin Fields looking good, looking good. Now, these are just pictures, but man, oh, man, is this man looking real good in a Bears uniform. He tweets out year one. Year one, and then he's got these two great pictures of all black, and it's kind of orange behind him, and... Whew, man, he's looking absolutely great out there. So, I mean, this is what we're going to be seeing on Sundays, folks, and kind of the um, like those player introductions when they're all kind of, you know, posing and looking real good, not looking at the camera being, oh, I'm too good for this. Yeah, just look at me when they're naming the starters and all that. I mean, this is what we're going to be seeing, folks. Just great right here. So looking good, feeling good, playing good. He's looking great, folks. Is he feeling great? He's talking about learning and getting better every single day. Looking good, check. Feeling good, check. What's next, folks? Playing good. Come week one, playing great. 
Now, I do quickly want to go back to DraftKings just to see if the odds have gone down, up, or fluctuated in any way just because we don't know when they officially came out. So, we're going to kind of take yesterday. I mean, that's the first day we see we saw it. And the last time we checked it besides yesterday was uh, June 16th. So, there were about this week period that we didn't see it. So, we're going to kind of go on that yesterday was the official day that it opened. So, I kind of want to see if it's going to fluctuate big time. Um, opening odds, everybody's hammering it. Let's see if anything's updated on that front. So, let's go back here. And he's still at plus 300. All right. So, you know, all the hype, our video didn't make any waves, which is great. I mean, hey, secure the money. Secure the odds. When you see great value, you got to get it whenever you can, folks, because this is just going to keep going down and down and down and down. This is never going to go back up, folks. This will never go past 300. This will never go up. This is not Bitcoin where it goes up and then it goes down and then it goes up and then it goes down and then it goes up, 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 up. No, 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 no. This will just keep going down, 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 plus 250, plus 220, plus 200 plus 175 plus 150 plus 100 minus 100 and that's what we don't want to see because you're not making any money on that well you are because it's guaranteed money because it's going to happen but uh, you know get that value when you see it folks Justin Fields will be the starter, plus 300 still. We'll, we'll, we'll update this on the regular, probably not every day, but uh, we'll, we'll definitely keep track of this because this is kind of, folks, this is our big bet, folks. This is our big one, folks. Um, you know, we, we don't hand out these big bets all willy-nilly. When was the last time we had a bet the house bet, bet your future bet? We don't do that often, folks. So when we say it, we truly do mean it. And here it is, folks. Get the value while it's hot. Justin Fields plus 300. Looking good, feeling good. He's going to be out there week one playing gosh darn good, turning heads, and everyone's going to be like, why do we even think? Why do we even think Andy Dalton was going to be the starter? We never did. We never bought it. Even even when they didn't even have Justin Fields and Matt Nagy brought in Andy Dalton, we're like, what? 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 This is who you choose? So... Justin Fields, I mean, this might be my new background, folks. This may be the new canvas. I may get this a picture of a canvas made, folks, truly. The man's the man's looking that great out here. Jeez. He he, he rocks the orange and black absolutely well, folks. And he's rocking a visor. Ooh, stunting on him, too. Love it. So we'll see what's going on with Justin Fields. But, man, oh, man, the man is looking great, folks. What are these comments saying? Anything good here? Foles is better than you? Nah, nah. That's a troll right there. That's a straight-up troll. Um... Yeah, nothing good. Nobody, nobody's, nobody's slurping him. <laughs> Unfortunate. The man, the man deserves to be slurped, folks. All right, let's keep moving on. All righty, and then the big news in the NFL that broke. Here we go. The NFL will allow teams to use alternate color helmets again starting in 2022. And, man, oh, man, is this going to be great, folks. I mean, this is what the NFL is about, these kind of, you know, um, color rush. I mean, they made a big deal of those color rush uh, jerseys. What was it? like? Kind of like uh, – two three or four years ago that's really really when color rush really kind of took off and then it's just been going downhill from there i mean nobody's even participating in color rush really anymore and when they do it's like only the tops are color then they rock the white pants and it just doesn't really look good but those kind of first initial years of color rush in the nfl it was like orange orange jerseys orange pants orange helmets looking real great it was uh, it was fun to see it, but uh then then what happened was uh it, it went on uh it was thursday night football games those were the color rush games and when they were on tv 
Um, some jerseys, uh, the, the, the kind of differences was getting an in, it, it, like in the way with the colorblind community. Do you guys, remember, do you guys remember that? Where, uh, colorblind people were like, we can't even tell what the fuck is going on here because they're both the same to us. So it was kind of messing with the colorblind community. And I think it's kind of went downhill ever since that point, the colorblind community made such a stink about it that it kind of ruined color rush. And I'm not bashing colorblind people. I get it. It's unfortunate. Um, but that's kind of when it when it started to go kind of worse. It started great color rush and then it went downhill. Unfortunate. But now, you know, just more options out here. And, like, um, the Dolphins throwback uniforms, I mean, that we won the Miami Miracle in when we kind of redesigned the field. I mean, those are great. The helmets are different. We got kind of the throwback helmets, throwback jerseys. And that's always great to see, folks. Obviously, you don't want to see that every week. But, you know, two, three times a season, you're like, ooh, once again, looking good. Folks, that's true. Folks, you can ask anybody in any sport. Looking good, feeling good, playing good. That is absolutely 100% fact in all sports. So when they kind of are stunting on them and style, and profiling out there they're like god damn we're, we're looking good in these throwbacks these alternate colorways yes sir so obviously you want these i mean people love to collect uh jerseys and helmets of the throwbacks and all that so i'm glad that we're finally the nfl you know being the no fun league but it's starting to get a little bit better out here uh celebrations in the end zone team celebrations you can use the football as a prop you still can't dunk on the goalpost because we saw what happens you bend the goalposts and then we, we got a 20 minute delay trying to make sure it's level out there so I understand that part but it's starting to get better a little bit now these the new jerseys and these new helmet colorways so let's go into this article right here short article and just kind of get, you know, um, uh, solid information out here. So here we go. The NFL will bring back alternate color helmets next year. Unfortunately, once again, it's next year. But this year, I mean, we got the new numbers. Once again, going towards the fun league, not the no fun league anymore. You can choose whatever number you want, basically. We got wide receivers in single digits. We got defensive backs in single digits. Once again, going to, you know, just making those players feel good, look good, play good, folks. It's all going to increase the overall overall kind of performance on the field. <clears throat> Alright, here we go. In a memo sent to teams this afternoon, the league announced a new policy that will give teams the opportunity to use two different helmets starting in the 2022 season, a popular move with fans who like alternate and throwback uniforms. Teams can pair the second helmet with alternate throwback or color rush uniforms so long as they follow all league policies on ensuring that all alternate helmets are properly fitted and that all players are provided with sufficient opportunity to wear the alternate helmets in practice prior to wearing them in game. So Obviously, helmets are huge in the league, folks. I mean, the NFL, I mean, they crack down making sure everything is fitting correctly because that's the biggest thing. That's the downfall of the NFL, folks. CTE, brain injury. So that, that like that's the biggest product that the NFL cares about, the helmets. We need to make sure they work. So we don't kind of want to have these last-second helmets in just to kind of make a little bit more, more money selling them or just kind of get kind of uh, hyping that up on, um, on games. Game day, so more viewers. Once again, more more viewers, more money for the teams and organizations like that. So they just want to make sure that these helmets are properly fitted. These aren't kind of last second, late adjustments. They want to make sure that the players are making sure they fit. They fit correctly. They're up to the standards of the regular helmets that they use all season long. Uh, so I've got no problem with that, and I think it's you know pretty you know safe, and that's exactly what they need to do. 
just so teams aren't like, all right, last second here, take take this helmet. And they're like, what the fuck? This is the actual throwback helmet. This is the actual helmet from 1980s. I thought we were just kind of doing the design and the colors from the 1980s. This is, there's, there's no padding. There's, there's no padding in here. Oh, you don't need the padding. You're fine. No, I, I, I didn't need the padding. I, I would like the padding, please. <clears throat> All right. Uh, teams compare the – oh, we just read that. And then the last article right here. <clears throat> Player safety was the primary reason the NFL previously told teams to stop using the alternate helmets. Teams wanted every player to have one helmet that fit him properly and not to alter it during the season. But the new policy addresses those concerns by requiring teams to have a new set of alternate helmets for every player on the roster to ensure that all alternate helmets are the same make, model, size as the player's primary helmet and by requiring players to get fitted for both their primary and alternate helmets at the same time in training camp. So yeah, just exactly what we said. Just making sure the player safety is out there and we can definitely get behind that. We've got no problem. So Two helmets you could be rocking come next season, folks. We got the numbers. We got single-digit numbers this year to look forward to. And then next year, the fun keeps going, folks, because here we go. We already got some kind of mock-ups here because we've had alternate <clears throat> helmets in the past. So first one up is the Eagles, kind of the, the the brighter green with the eagle wings in front. It's a great helmet, folks. Truly great out here. So they could be rocking these. Fantastic. Uh, we got the old Tampa Bay ones with the actual pirate with the sword in his mouth and the creamsicle stripe going down the middle. Ooh, yes, the creamsicle face mask as well. Looking great. We got uh, the classic Denver Broncos, the big D with the, uh, the horse in the D, all blue as well. I mean, I love that colorway too. Blue for the Denver Broncos? Yes, sir. Let's get that going again. Love it. And then we kind of got, we kind of have the uh, the the throwback Seahawks, where it's the uh, the silver helmet with the Seahawk on it. So once again, I mean, we're gonna be seeing all these helmets come every single season, and we're not just done there. We got the Houston Oilers for the Texans, those old helmets throwing that back. We got the Bills old red helmets with the white face masks. Uh, the Seahawks helmet again, and uh, the Patriots, the one with the. Uh, not not the best, but the kind of the actual patriot, and then he's you know trying to huck the ball that those helmets. So <clears throat> looking real good out here. It's gonna be great to kind of see the flare, see all the kind of uh, different kind of uniforms with the helmets, the pairings all together. Uh, it's just gonna be great out there. So look for that come 2022. Are we missing any? Anybody comment any that we missed? What do we got? Oh, the old Falcons one with the big, the long feather Falcon. The one that takes up the entire helmet. Looking real good. Throwback Atlanta there. What else do we get? The Chargers with the big bolt. And um, obviously the Dolphins one. Nobody's bringing those back. <laughs> Somebody tweeted out the uh, the old Washington helmet with the red with the red skin right on top. The Indian. Alrighty, <laughs> we'll see if they, I, I doubt they bring those back. Uh, but yeah, if your team's got some throwback, we'll see if uh, some teams start kind of designing special ones. Um, so that would be interesting to see as well. But we gotta wait till 2022, unfortunately. <clears throat> All right. Last NFL story to go over for today, and um, I saw this the other day. Overall, the list is fine, but there are some big, big, ginormous mistakes sprinkled throughout this list. So Chris Sims on Twitter, he ranks his top 40 quarterback countdown. Now, like I said, the overall list is fine. 
but adjustments desperately need to be made, and that's exactly what we're going to be doing. So, here we go. Let's just read his top 40, and I'll let you, I'll let you hear what the, what the glaring, the jarring issues are, and then we'll point them out. But I'm sure everybody will be able to know. Here we go. Number one, Patrick Mahomes. Two, Josh Allen. Three, Aaron Rodgers. Four, Deshaun Watson. Five, Russell Wilson. Six, Lamar Jackson. Seven, Kyler Murray. Eight, Matthew Stafford. Nine, Dak Prescott. Ten, Tom Brady. Eleven, Justin Herbert. Twelve, Ryan Tannehill. Thirteen, Baker Mayfield. Fourteen, Derek Carr. Fifteen, Matt Ryan. Sixteen, Kirk Cousins. Seventeen, Joe Burrow. Eighteen, Carson Wentz. Nineteen, Sam Darnold. Twenty, Cam Newton. That's the top twenty. 21, Jimmy Garoppolo. 22, Ben Roethlisberger. 23, Ryan Fitzpatrick. 24, Taysom Hill. 25, Jameis Winston. 26, Daniel Jones. 27, Zach Wilson. 28, Trevor Lawrence. These players have never played in the league yet. Number 29, Andy Dalton. Number 30, Mac Jones. Number 31, Jared Goff. Number 32, Teddy Bridgewater. So 32 teams in the league. And there's some quarterbacks that we haven't even mentioned yet. That's where the problem is. But let's keep going. 33, Drew Locke. 34 to tag of Iloa, folks. 34th? Zach Wilson? Mac Jones? Andy Dalton above him? What? What? Let's keep going. 35, Tyrod Taylor. 36, Marcus Mariota. 37, Cullen Mund. 38, Trey Lance. 39, Justin Fields. 40, Case Keenum. 34, Tua. What the hell is going on? Mac Jones is number 30? 30? Absolutely despicable. So we have to rearrange this list desperately. Big time. I'm not having two at 34 out of the top 32. 32 teams, 32 starting quarterbacks, 34. Mac Jones, 30. Hell no. So we copied every single name here to a movable list that we can go and change ourselves because that list is apps. Overall, it's not terrible. It's not terrible. The top 10, yeah, I mean, we'll move maybe one or two here. But overall, there was some utter disrespect on this list. And we're going to correct that right now. So, we got the list here. We can move them wherever we want. Let's start at the top. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, I'm fine with leaving him number one. Josh Allen, number two. Aaron Rodgers, number three. The one I want to move up high first is Justin Herbert. He's number 11. I got to move him way higher, and I'm going to move him very, very high. I'm moving Justin Herbert number one, Josh Allen, or Justin Herbert number two, Josh Allen number three. I'm moving Aaron Rodgers down to number four. So I'm moving Justin Herbert all the way to number two. This man, I'm telling y'all, folks, I am telling y'all what, what he put up stats-wise and watching him his first year, I am Big, big, big time on Justin Herbert, folks. Truly, surely, he came out swinging year one, and I'm looking for him to get even better. So I'm big on Justin Herbert, and I'm putting him all the way up to number two now. We'll move Josh Allen down to number three. We'll, we'll keep Aaron Rodgers at number four. 
behind Josh Allen. Deshaun Watson at number five. I'm going to take uh, Russell Wilson. I'm going to move. I'm going to kind of switch to that. I'm going to move Russell Wilson ahead of Deshaun Watson. And I'm also going to move um, Kyler Murray above Lamar Jackson one spot. We'll keep uh, Matthew Stafford. And then I'm also going to move Tom Brady above Dak Prescott. I'm going to move Tom Brady above ta uh, Dak Prescott as well. So is that top 10 now? We got uh, Patrick Holmes 1, Justin Herbert 2, Josh Allen 3, Aaron Rodgers 4, Russell Wilson 5, Deshaun Watson 6, Kyler Murray 7, Lamar Jackson 8, Matthew Stafford 9, and Tom Brady 10. I believe I'm comfortable with that kind of being the top 10. So now let's keep going on here. Um, Tom Brady will leave him at 10. Dak Prescott, I'm going to take Ryan Tannehill over Dak Prescott. So Ryan Tannehill's 11, Dak Prescott's 12. Baker Mayfield, Derek Carr, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, Joe Burrow, Carson Wentz. We are going to be moving him up kind of big. I'm going to put him right behind. Do I put him behind or above Dak Prescott? I'm going to go above Dak Prescott. The only reason why I may put Carson Wentz below Dak Prescott is the injuries, but we're kind of betting big that the injuries are all done. I mean, how many more can he really have? If he has one more, it's completely done. We can't even buy him into him anymore, ever again. It's going to be truly unfortunate if Carson Wentz gets injured again this season. We got to knock on wood big time, but overall, as a pure passer, I'm liking Carson Wentz just a slight above Dak Prescott. Um, so we got Tannehill. At 11, Carson Wentz at 12, Prescott at 13. Uh, now we got Baker Mayfield, Derek Carr. I'm, I'm, uh, they're kind of equal to me. I, I'll, I'll leave them kind of Baker Mayfield above Derek Carr like Chris Sims has. Matt Ryan. All right, now we got to kind of start moving some up a little bit because now we're starting in, to get into like Kirk Cousins and Joe Burrow and Sam Darnold. I don't even know why this man's – what did he have him initially at 20-ish? He had Sam Darnold at 19. I don't agree with that at all, folks, uh, at all. I I'm moving him down big time. But let's start moving some uh, back players up a little bit more, and then we can start figuring out the, like, the top 20 a little bit more clearly here. But some players I want to move up big time, big time. I want to move to uh, obviously up big time. I mean, the man does not deserve to be number 34. Um, doesn't deserve to be top 10. Doesn't deserve to be top 15, but definitely in the top 20. He's above Taysom Hill. He's above Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's above, I'm going to say above Ben Roethlisberger. As of right now, I'm taking Tua over Big Ben. I'm taking Tua over Jimmy G, and I'm taking definitely Tua over Cam Newton, Sam Darnold, Joe Burrow. I got to move up Joe Burrow up a little bit, but I'm definitely taking Tua over Kirk Cousins. I will leave Baker Mayfield, Derek Carr, and Matt Ryan over Tua for right now. For right now, but Tua, uh, what do we got now? We got uh, Tom Brady at 10, so Tannehill 11, Carson Wentz 12, Dak Prescott 13, Baker Mayfield 14, Derek Carr 15, Matt Ryan 16, Tua 17. I'm fine with that. He's definitely better than Kirk Cousins. I don't want to hear that, folks, at all, at all. Kirk Cousins, we're going to be dropping down. I'm going to move Joe Burrow ahead of Kirk Cousins. I'm moving. We got to move Sam Darnold all the way down. I'm going to put Ben Roethlisberger over Jimmy G, Cam Newton, Sam Darnold, and Kirk Cousins. 
All right, Ryan Fitzpatrick is, I'm going to move him down past Taysom Hill, past Jameis Winston. Oh, this is who we have to move up to, Daniel Jones. Got to move him up. We're going to move him past Jameis Winston, past Taysom Hill, past Jimmy Garoppolo, past Cam Newton, past Sam Darnold, past Kirk Cousins, and we'll leave him under. No, I'm going to move him over Ben Roethlisberger and Joe Burrow. He'll be right under Tua. Actually, I'm moving Joe. I'm moving Daniel Jones above Tua. I'm, uh, I'm moving Daniel Jones above Tua. Um, so we got Daniel Jones behind. Oh, I do I? I'm putting a, I'm putting Daniel Jones above Matt Ryan, above Matt Ryan, top fifteen. Yeah. Yep. 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 That's good there. Okay. Who else do we have to move up? Anybody? Uh, I want to move. Um, we move Taysom Hill above Jameis Winston. Uh, we'll leave Jimmy Garoppolo. All right, let's move Jimmy Garoppolo up a little bit. Let's move him past Kirk Cousins right behind Big Ben Roethlisberger. And I'm going to move Taysom Hill right under Kirk Cousins past Sam Darnold and Cam Newton. All right, who else do we have to move up the big time? Let's move Jared Goff up a little bit. He definitely deserves to be above freaking Mac Jones and Andy Dalton and Trevor Lawrence just for right now, just because, you know, he hasn't proven himself in the league just quite yet. And same thing with Zach Wilson. I can't be having him past uh, Jared Goff. He's better than Ryan Fitzpatrick, and we'll leave him under Jameis Winston for now. All right, who else do we have to move up in this kind of back tier? I'm going to move Tyrod Taylor up. I think that's a little disrespect having him this low as well. We're going to be moving him right past Kirk Cousins. Where is he at? We're going to move uh, – oh, no, we'll leave um, – yeah, we got to move We got to move Kirk Cousins all the way down. We're, we're moving him down. We'll fix him in a minute. But uh, we'll have him right above Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not that good, folks. And that's another reason why I had a little issue with this. Ryan Fitzpatrick, number 23. The man's just a backup gunslinger, folks. He throws a lot of picks. Yes, he throws some touchdowns because he throws a lot of passes just in general. Uh, but he also throws a lot of picks. So I don't like him at number 23. That's why we're moving him down a little bit. And we'll give the overall kind of numbers here at the end once we feel comfortable where everybody is in relation to each other. Um, so we moved, uh, who do we just move up? Uh, uh, bu -bu -bu we moved Kirk, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick down a little bit. Do we have to move anybody else up decently? We got uh, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence. I'm going to move Trevor Lawrence over Zach Wilson. Um, Chris Sims had Zach Wilson one spot above Trevor Lawrence. Andy Dalton is fine being at the bottom. I don't care. Uh, Mac Jones should be absolutely at the very bottom. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater should be up a little bit more. I I'm loving what we saw from him. So we're going to move him past Mac Jones, Andy Dalton, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff. And we'll move him right under Jameis Winston. Um, we're also going to move down Sam Darnold a lot. This man is unproven, folks. I don't want to hear that he had garbage offensive coordinators and coaches. I get it. I get it. Truly, I do. But uh, when we look at what Ryan Tannehill did with Adam Gase, it's so much better than what freaking um, Sam Darnold did. So I'm not buying Sam Darnold. The man, man's never thrown over 60% completion percentage. And I understand, you know, coaches in play calling and all that has something to do with your on-field body of work. But, I mean, come on. You can't even complete 60% of your passes? Absolutely trash. I cannot buy this man. Um, I don't even think he'll be that great on the, on the Panthers this season so we got to definitely move Sam Darnold down a lot here and I also want to move Cam Newton Cam Newton down a little bit here gonna move him right above 
right below Teddy Bridgewater. I'm taking Jameis Winston, and I'm taking Teddy Bridgewater over Cam Newton, folks. I mean, they both throw the ball. They sling the ball. Jameis Winston slings the ball absolutely wonkily, but I'll take that over Cam Newton that barely throws it. <clears throat> All right. What else do we have to move up? I want to move Justin Fields up a little bit. I'm going to move him right. I'm going to move. Mm, do, I, do, I, do, I do I disrespect Sam Donald by moving Justin Fields above him? I think I do. I think I do. Um, all right, what else here? Marcus Mariota. Let's respect him because he got in that one game with the Raiders and kind of impressed us a little bit. So I'm going to move Marcus Mariota above Andy Dalton. I'll move him above Andy Dalton. Um, maybe not Sam Darnold just quite yet, but definitely above Andy Dalton 100%. Uh, Drew Locke can maybe go up against, uh, go up one against Mac Jones. I think I take Andy Dalton over Drew Locke. Unfortunate for Drew Locke. And then we got Trey Lance and Case Keenum at the bottom. All right, so let's kind of, um, all right, where do we leave off at firm standings? <clears throat> We're at Tom Brady. The top 10 is kind of solidified here. I've got no problem with that. Um, Ryan Tannehill is 11. Carson Wentz, 12. Dak Prescott, 13. Baker Mayfield, 14. Derek Carr, 15. Daniel Jones, 16. Matt Ryan, 17. Tua, 18. Joe Burrow, 19. Big Ben, 20. Jimmy G, 21. Taysom Hill, 22. Tyrod Taylor, 23. Jameis Winston, 24. Teddy Bridgewater, 25. I do think I like that. I do think I like the top 25. Um... Actually, I'm going to switch Teddy Bridgewater and Tyrod Taylor. Maybe a little recency bias. Maybe just because we haven't seen Tyrod Taylor in a while. In a while. But I am going to move Teddy Bridgewater up a little bit more here. Cam Newton's down. Jared Goff. All right. So now we've kind of got the, what do we got? The top 20 figured out. Tannehill 11. Carson Wentz 12. Dak Prescott 13. Mayfield 14. Carr 15. Daniel Jones 16. Matt Ryan 17 to 18. Joe Burrow 19. Big Ben 20. Jimmy G, 21, Taysom Hill, 22, Teddy Bridgewater, 23, Jameis Winston, 24, and then we have Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod Taylor, number 25. So I think we're good with the top 25 here. So let's kind of round out the bottom here, the last 15. So now we got Cam Newton, then Jared Goff, then Kirk Cousins, then Ryan Fitzpatrick, and now we're starting to get into kind of the I'm – I'm good with those. So now let's start talking about these rookies, these new-age quarterbacks coming in, and the garbage quarterbacks that are bottom tier here. So be after Ryan Fitzpatrick, we, we'll put Trevor Lawrence just because he's looking he, – he should be great, folks. He should honestly be great out there. Uh, he was great in college. We'll see if he can kind of make that step to the NFL. Justin Fields, and I'm going to put both of them above Sam Darnold, folks. I just haven't seen anything from Sam Darnold. Yes, I see him kind of throwing deep and, you know, making some good passes on the run, contorting his body. But at the end of the day, folks, those are just, they're good passes. We're not knocking that. But overall, I mean, it's just one pass out of a couple, and it's 55% completion percentage, 58% completion percentage. I'm not buying it. All right, then we got Marcus Mariota. Then we got Zach Wilson. I'll I'll move Andy Dalton above Zach Wilson. He's still kind of unchecked. I don't really know how he's going to play out. So I'll move Drew Locke above Zach Wilson as well. And then that's really it. I mean, the bottom kind of 10 here, uh, past Ryan Fitzpatrick, we've got Trevor Lawrence, then Justin Fields, then Sam Darnold, then Marcus Mariota, then Andy Dalton, then Drew Locke, then Zach Wilson, then Mac Jones, then Kellen Munn, then Trey Lance, then Case Keenum. 
So I think our, I think we're good. I think this is our final list here. We'll go through one final time here. Name, name, number, and uh, we'll see if we have to move any as we're going through here. But I think we're set here, and let's see how this list officially changed from what Chris Sims says to what we said. So here we go. <clears throat> Patrick Mahomes, number one. Justin Herbert, number two. Josh Allen, number three. Aaron Rodgers, number four. Russell Wilson, number five. Deshaun Watson, number six. Kyler Murray, number seven. Lamar Jackson, number eight. Matthew Stafford, nine. Tom Brady, ten. Ryan Tannehill, eleven. Carson Wentz, twelve. Dak Prescott, thirteen. Baker Mayfield, 14. Derek Carr, 15. Daniel Jones, 16. Matt Ryan, 17. Tua, 18. Joe Burrow, 19, Ben Roethlisberger, 20, Jimmy G, 21, Taysom Hill, 22, Teddy Bridgewater, 23, Jameis Winston, 24, Tyrod Taylor, 25, Cam Newton, 26, Jared Goff, 27, Kirk Cousins, 28, Ryan Fitzpatrick, 29, Trevor Lawrence, 30, Justin Fields, 31, Sam Darnold, 32, Marcus Mariota, 33, Andy Dalton, 34, Drew Locke, 35, Zach Wilson, 36, Mac Jones, 37, Kellen Munn, 38, Trey Lance, 39, and Case Keenum, 40, folks. So the big jumps here from from Chris Sims' list Tua, he was 34 on his list. He's number 18 on ours. We moved Justin Herbert up from 11 to number 2. Daniel Jones, he had him at 26. Where did he end up on our list? About 17. 16 for Daniel Jones, so a pretty decent jump from him. 10, 10 spots. Cam Newton, I mean, we, we dropped him. Cam Newton and Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold 19, Cam Newton 20, we dropped them big time, big time. Not even right, really in the top 20 here. I've got no problem. I mean, Sam Darnold was 32, folks, <laughs> 32. So we dropped them big time. And then we moved up Teddy B a little bit. We moved Mac Jones down a lot. We moved Andy Dalton down a lot a lot from 29. So, um, yeah, didn't really agree overall. But the top 10 was pretty solid by Chris Sims. Just moved a couple in. But uh, the, the reason why we had to do this was because Tua being 34 is just the ultimate disrespect. I don't agree with that at all, at all. I mean, we had him at 19, and that's that's light, folks. I mean, I, I, I theoretically, I could, I could. I could move to a pass Matt Ryan. I could move Der- uh, to a pass Derek Carr. I could. I could move him past Baker Mayfield. I could. But we're gonna see. We're gonna take it. We're gonna take it slowly but surely. But definitely did not deserve to be out of the top thirty-two here. So. Um, and, I, and I'm big on Justin Herbert, folks. Uh, I think eleven is a little underwhelming for that man. He was just looking absolutely great, and I cannot wait to see what that man does year number two. So that is our top 40 countdown. 
going into kind of training camp. And, you know, once we're done with the NF, uh, NBA season, once that's all wrapped up and good to go, then we're going to go heavy into the NFL, seeing what happened last season, uh, changing any narratives that we have that we've kind of been talking about, seeing if we have to retool our thinking any and just getting everybody on the same page come the start of the NFL season. So we're going to go heavy. Every team, every player, we're going to go adjust, you know, count their wins, see what they can do, see what their top is, what their ceiling is, see what their floor is, and we're going to go heavy in it. But we got to get done with the NBA season first, and then we'll go into that. All right, let's keep moving on here. Uh, some basketball stories. Well, the Mavericks, they found their new head coach, so they got rid of Rick Carlisle, and they're going to go with Jason Kidd. So Jason Kidd is the new head coach for the Mavericks. Okay, I mean, he hasn't proven anything to us. It, uh, you know, he, he's all right. He was a great player. Nobody's doubting that. He was with the Mavericks, playing with the Mavericks, won a ring with the Mavericks, I also believe, on that uh, 2011 Mavericks team. But I just don't know as a coach. I mean, we brought up his stats. It's been everything's lackluster. He's been having kind of star players and just underwhelming. And now you got one star player. And a lot of mess on your hands. It's like, what are you going to do with Porzingis? What are we going to do with these other role players? Yeah, we know Luka Doncic is great, but you need two other superstars on this team. So is he going to be able to attract these free agents? Is he going to be able to recruit these players? And is he going to be able to coach? Because that's the big question mark. Let's get his kind of record up. Because I don't think he had anything more than like 40 wins. Let's see here. Jason Kidd as a coach for the Brooklyn Nets in 2013, 44 wins. Then he coached the Bucks with, you know, beginning of Giannis and Chris Middleton, 41 wins, 33 wins, 42 wins, 23 wins, all with the Bucks, getting fired midseason with the Bucks. And then he went to be an assistant coach with the Lakers, won a ring. I mean, that's nothing Jason Kidd did. That's all LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Frank Vogel. Jason Kidd has had nothing to do with that. So it's just he had superstars on that Brooklyn team. Uh, Paul Pierce at the end of his career, Kevin Garnett at the end of his career, couldn't do anything there. And then he had, you know, young Giannis, once again, just nothing great. So I don't know, man. He, we'll see. Coaching doesn't 100% matter. I mean, it matters in some circumstances. Uh, for the Nets, obviously, it didn't really matter that much. You got superstar talent everywhere that were injured. That's the real reason why from their downfall. I mean, um, Nate McMillan with the Hawks, I mean, that's coaching success there, folks. I mean, they got rid of their head coach in the middle of the season, and ever since he took over, they've just been trending up, 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 and they're very close to getting to the finals, folks. So Nate McMillan is kind of a true story of coaching truly mattering in this league. I would say Frank Vogel last year with the Lakers. Obviously, you got LeBron James, but Frank Vogel was still a great coach for that team of how much you can actually coach with a, with a LeBron James-led team. Um, Mike Bootenhauser, Ooh, I don't know, man. I, the question's still out. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Everybody clowns him on Twitter, and I kind of get I get it. I get why you clown him. I'm just, I just can't make that distinction quite yet, whether I do think he's a good coach or not. We'll know tonight with the lineup that he has. Um, we'll talk about that when we break down the game in a little bit. But, yeah, I don't know about Jason Kidd, man. You just need a face there. I get it. And there's not any breaking like there's no any kind of oh my god this man's gonna be a great coach like up for up for this role um so that's what we got here jason kidd going to the mavericks we'll see if he works out 
but it's nothing great. This isn't anything to be excited about. If I was a Mavericks fan, I would ju- I wouldn't be like, oh my god, yes, we're we're like contenders now. We're title contenders now. I don't think so. Not really. So we'll see what Jason Kidd could do. But he's always had stars on his team and always underperformed. And never only had one star. Maybe Giannis. Do you count Chris Middleton as a star? I don't. <laughs> I, I got no respect. I got no respect for that man anymore, unfortunately. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, I, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what he does with Luca. All right, and then kind of the last story to talk about here in the NBA is uh, the odds, the finals odds. And we've got the new updated odds from yesterday. Updated at 343, our Bleacher Report betting puts this out. And then we're also going to um, compare it to what just happened last week, what what the initial odds were. So the new favorites to win the finals are the Phoenix Suns, plus 100. And yeah, I mean, they got everything you want. They got depth. They're healthy. They're the healthiest team. They're the healthiest team. Healthiest team right now. Um, Clippers, obviously Kawhi. He's not going to play for the rest of the year, folks. He's done. He is 100% done. The Hawks, they're a little banged up a little bit. They still got the win, so I'll give them credit. The Bucks, I mean, Dante DiVincenzo not being there. I mean, that just lacks their depth now. And then for the Phoenix Suns, basically everybody's good to go. Yeah, so yeah, the healthiest team out here, they're getting it done. Unfortunately, they just lost last night to the Clippers, but the Suns are the favorites at plus 100. Then the Bucks at number two at plus 155, and folks, I mean, we talked about it. We said Hawks and four now. We're, we're done. We've seen enough, and uh, we'll talk that game through in our moneymaker when we break down the game, but I just can't see this Bucks team able to defend and keep up that scoring pace, folks. Yes, Giannis is going to get his, but Chris Middleton just floundered at home. We haven't seen that from him kind of in the playoffs. We saw him flounder on the road, but now he's floundering at home. That was the Bucks saving grace. They won at home. They beat the Nets every time at home, and then they won game seven on the road by a slim margin. And then we get the Hawks at plus seven, and that's kind of why I want to tie it into what just happened last week. So we had the odds uh, from June 20th, just five days ago, not even a full week, folks, and the Hawks were plus 3,000. 3,000, and now they're only plus 700, so they are truly making their way up into top elite status, and I think them at plus 700 is a great bet still. We we, we like them plus 3,000. We thought it was solid. We, we would have thrown a couple bucks on that, uh, but now what we just saw, what they did against the Bucks. Yeah, they could represent the East out of the finals, and then they just have to go and beat the Suns. And if they keep surprising us like they've been doing this entire playoff series, um, they could definitely win the title. So Hawks plus 700 is truly great value to put a couple bucks on. Um, you know, you bet 100, you win 700, you get the 100 back, you're walking away with eight, 800 bucks when you, when you cash out. So that's great odds. And then what's funny now is that the Clippers are now plus 1,400. Where just five days ago, they were plus 440. They were the third favorite. So, uh, you know, a a lot happens in a couple of days. Value comes and goes. You got to get it. That's why we always say when you see the great value, lock it in whenever you get it. Justin Fields being the week one starter, plus 300. Lock that in. You could have locked in Hawks at plus three. Mother loving thousand folks. You bet 100. You win $3,000. Jeez, talk about great value. Yes. And then the funny thing to talk about here, just five days ago, the Hawks were the least favorite, folks. They had the 76ers at plus 440 to win the title, and we know what happened to that series. So, you know, Vegas doesn't always know what they're talking about. It's unfortunate. 
and uh, you can find some great value out there. Just kind of go and believe whatever you believe in. Don't let the odds, don't let Vegas kind of, you know, sway you one way or another. If you truly believe in something that's great value, go out and get it. Like, like... Justin Fields being the week one starter plus 300, folks. We love that. We are murdering that. I'm surprised of all the money that we bet on that that has not dropped yet. But we're sure it's coming because we got more money to put on that. We got more, folks. Alrighty. Those are all the stories that we need to talk about for today. So let's head over to the NBA. We'll break down that game. We'll do our moneymaker for tonight's action. And then we'll head over to Aaron Rodgers' divisional 2014 game against the Cowboys and start judging him a little bit. Get that back going. Alrighty, so from last night, the Clippers and the Suns, and man, oh man, that Clippers defense, folks, it got it done. They The Clippers win 106-92. The Suns could really not do anything offensively. Now, this is also the second game where Devin Booker really struggled big time, and that's not the best thing out here for the Suns team. They need Devin Booker to be on their bullshit, folks, and he's been getting locked up, so... We've been praising this Clippers defense. We still didn't bet it. So once again, we have egg on our face. We are the clowns, unfortunately, tonight, yesterday, taking the Suns minus. Did we get a minus one and a half? What do we get them at? Minus one and a half, unfortunate. So the Clippers just kind of blow them out. So very well done for the Clippers, just kind of getting it done defensively. And we'll talk about them in a second. But let's just talk about the struggle shooting, scoring the ball here by the Suns. Devin Booker, 15 points on 1 of 7 from 3 and 23% on 21 shots. That's never going to be enough here for the Suns team. Now, Devin Booker kind of got bailed out in game number 2 against the Clippers because he was absolutely lackluster the entire night. Turned the ball over. Luckily, Paul George missed those free throws. And the Suns get bailed out in a last second win. Devin Booker only had a good third quarter in game number two, putting up like 18 points, but that was really it. 15 points here. He needs to be 25 plus scoring every night for this chance to have a team, or for this for this team to have a chance to win. Uh, Chris Paul back in the lineup didn't play terribly. 15 points, 12 rebounds. He shot awful. Two of seven from three. 26% on 19 shots. Once again, the defense, man, getting to him. And Chris Paul hasn't played in a while. I didn't think his conditioning was going to be that bad. I never bought into that narrative that they were kind of, you know, sprinkling into the game all night. Um, if you were watching the game, it, like every time Chris Paul got the ball, they're like, how is this man going to look? He's missed 11 days. He hasn't played in 11 days. And I get it, you know. That is true, but I never truly, but it's Chris Paul. He's a veteran. He's going to miss 11, 11 days, but he will he should be able to turn it right back on. So I never bought into that, but he was looking not the greatest out there. And once again, you got to give props to that defense. Patrick Beverly absolutely getting it done defensively, and we'll talk about him in a second as well. But let's finish up this Suns team. DeAndre Ayton, 18 points, 9 rebounds, but he was a minus 25 on the floor and not the greatest by him. Jay Crowder, 9 points on 3 of 6 from the 3, 6 rebounds, not terrible. Once again, the defense wasn't quite there overall by the Suns team. And then McCall Bridges, 13 points, 6 rebounds as well. So overall, not terrible by the starters, but we needed somebody to be that A1 tier 1 scorer, and the Suns, they just never had that. Now, what I also didn't like was that Cameron Payne only played four minutes. Get that man, like, split time between him and Chris Paul. If this whole Chris Paul narrative of, oh, he wasn't ready is true, then why are you, like, going off of the hot hand that is Cameron Payne? He got you up 2-0. So the fact that, you know, um, um, Monty Williams kind of, you know, just threw him to the curb a little bit, I didn't really love that. 
four minutes. He only he shot uh, four shots, only put up two points. Not the best, but you know, get him out there a little bit more, a little bit more longer spurts out here. I understand Chris Paul wants to play, but at the end of the day, you got to go with the hot hand. Got to go with the hot hand. So Chris Paul may be hurting this team a little bit more than he is helping. Remember, you know, he wanted to be in during that Lakers series, even though he was injured a little bit with the shoulder, not taking like a game off, not trusting in Cameron Payne to get it done in that game. Now coming back, playing 38 minutes, even though Cameron Payne was looking real solid in those first two games, it may be messing up the flow a little bit. So Chris Paul, I love him to death, and he's great out there, but I think he may be a little selfish, a little too selfish out here. Give it up when it's time, man. Let other players get involved a little bit more. So I didn't love that Cameron Payne only played four minutes out there. Cameron Johnson playing 30 minutes off the bench, 12 points, 5 rebounds. He shot 57% on 7 shots, 2 of 5 from the 3. We had Torrey Craig playing 15 minutes, 4 points on 4 shots. And then Dario Sherrick, um, 2 points on 2 shots, only playing uh, 12 minutes. And he was a plus 11 with uh, 7 rebounds, so not bad in only 12 minutes. So just overall, the biggest thing for the Suns last night was just nobody was efficient shooting the ball. Devin Booker, 23%. Chris Paul, 26%. And it's a little unfortunate uh, for those two players that are usually pretty good at scoring the ball, especially Devin Booker. So we're going to have to see Devin Booker. I mean, this Clippers defense, folks, we've seen Devin Booker have one good game, and that was game one. Ever since then, he's been kind of locked up a little bit. So we'll see how game four plays out. But uh, the Clippers are getting all momentum back. And they are, I think they're now 10-1. and 10-1 and one in games three through seven, folks. They lose the first two, but then they turn it on. They're like, oh, okay, we know what you do now. All right, you've, you've activated our trap card. We let you in the first two games. And then we're going to go and take over for the next four. Game over. So shout out to this Clippers defense. And maybe... Maybe we'll start betting the Clippers in game number four come tomorrow. All right, let's talk about this Clippers team now. Paul George, once again, not the most efficient, but he's getting it done defensively just overall. So you got to give the man credit again here. Um, no Paul Snorge. Uh, 27 points, 15 rebounds, 8 assists, 1 steal. He was a plus 23 on the floor. Absolutely great. 3 of 11 from 3, though, and then 34% on 26 shots. So once again, not efficient. He is the main ball scorer on this team, um, but he's not efficient out there. So uh, he does everything else great, and he's getting a little tired. I mean, he's got the most playoff minutes here by like 150 minutes, um, which is absolutely fantastic. And he's still getting it done. So we got to respect Paul George a little bit more here. And once again, respect Ty Lue because he changed the lineup again. And once again, I give Ty Lue credit, man. We've got to give Ty Lue credit as kind of a top-tier coach in this league. There's not that many great overall coaches here. But I think Ty Lue should be one of them. Uh, this is the lineup that they went with. Patrick Beverly at the 1. Reggie Jackson at the 2. Having them both in the starting lineup, I'm all about it. Paul George at the three, Terrence Mann at the four, moving Marcus Morris off the bench. That's great as well. Terrence Mann is that scoring production you need. I love it here by Ty Lue. And then Zubak still at the five. So this could be the deadly lineup. I think this is truly it here. You've got the defense of Patrick Beverly, but then you also do have the more scores on the bench or in the starting lineup because when you had Patrick Beverly and Marcus Morris and Zubak all in the starting lineup, that's like three players that really don't score the ball that well. 
but you move Marcus Morris to the bench, and then you add Terrence Mann, who has that score ability, and then you move G Reggie Jackson to the two, who has that score ability. So we went from only kind of two scores, Paul George and Reggie Jackson in the starting lineup, back to three with a great defender. That's what we're talking about, folks. So, uh, Patrick Beverly, eight points on eight shots, but he was a plus 24 on the floor, folks. Give him credit for that defense. Reggie Jackson putting up those 23 points, shooting great, 52% from the field, 3 of 8 from the 3, getting it done. He was the second leading scorer for the squad, which we know that's his role there. Zubak even got 15 points and 16 rebounds, 6 of those offensive, so kind of getting back at DeAndre Ayton for DeAndre Ayton getting at him in game number 2. Terrence Mann at the, th uh, at the 4, 12 points on 75% shooting. We will take that all day, absolutely. For kind of a third option out here. Love it. And then like we said. Paul George with the 27 points and 15 rebounds. So I love this starting lineup folks. I think this is truly it. Ty Lue. I applaud you. I applaud you. I love the lineup man. Um, changing the lineup every game. And finally getting the one that truly works. They won and they kind of blew them out folks. They blew out the Suns. 106-92. That's a 14 point win. Anything more than 10 points is a blowout folks. And I'm going to give it, uh, give a lot of credit to Ty Lue. Paul George, Patrick Beverly, and Reggie Jackson. Absolutely fantastic. All right, and then we look at the bench. <clears throat> Marcus Morris off the bench. Eight points on two of two from the three and 50% overall. I mean, that's the production that he, you get from the starting lineup. So, once again, applaud Ty Lue. The, the the offensive production for Marcus Morris does not drop off from the starting to the bench. So, that's the perfect decision. We got Luke Kennard playing 20 minutes off the bench, 9 points. He didn't shoot the bat. Well, he shot all right. 42% on 7 shots, 2 of 5 from the 3. Just mediocre out there. But once again, that's just that's fine. Get us those couple of points off the bench. That's all we're asking for. And then Nicholas Batum, the uh, last player playing meaningful minutes, 14 minutes off the bench, 4 points on 3 shots. Not terrible overall. He had 3 assists as well. So... Uh, this Clippers team, man, I think we may be leaning back toward the Clippers in game number four. We'll digest this game fully today, and we'll come back at you tomorrow with our official pick and breaking down the game. But if they go with this lineup again, I got to take the Clippers. I got to. Uh, Devin Booker, he's just uh, he's just deed up the entire game. That's all there is to it. And Chris Paul doesn't get you those points like that. Chris Paul is not a 25 to 30 point scorer. And that's what you need Devin Booker for. To be the 25 to 30 point. To lead the offense. To open up everybody else. Because you have to definitely guard him. Maybe even double him. Because he's going to get his. But the Clippers are shutting it down. So uh, love, what the, love what the Clippers did. And we'll see what the, uh, what the Suns do in game number four. To try to counteract that. All right, so that was the NBA last night. We got NBA on tonight. Game two, Hawks, Bucks. We're hoping for some great value here. We missed it in game one, and we're not going to miss it again. So here we go. Hawks, Bucks, Hawks plus eight. Yes, sir. We love it. Hawks plus eight. Vegas is not flinching on this, folks. They're like, okay, Hawks won game one. They're not going to win game number two, but I think they are going to win game two. So let's see the ins and out here. We know a couple of uh, Hawks were a little hobbled in game number one here, but uh, everybody's good to go. Bogdan Bogdanovich is a game time decision. He's going to play, but everybody else is good to go. And then for the Bucks, everybody's good to go as well. So 
basically what we saw in game number one we're gonna see in game number two now we are gonna take the Hawks plus a here that's way too many points they're always in it they're great on the road folks we've been saying that they can weather any storm any run that the Bucks go on and they don't. They don't go on runs, folks. This Bucks team never goes on runs. I mean, who, Chris Middleton finally floundered at home. If we can't count on Chris Middleton, folks, who can we count on to shoot the ball? We can shout out. We can uh, trust Drew Holiday. That's fine. He's he's been getting his. Uh, he got his game one. He got his in uh, the net series as well. So we can rely on him. But Chris Middleton, man, he's got to start to step it up a little bit. And we need. We need Mike Boonhauser to switch this starting lineup. This is really going to be the key difference here. Does he go on his Ty Lue and find the perfect matchup here? Find the perfect starting lineup because we absolutely loved what he did for the Clippers in game number three. That starting lineup was absolutely magnificent. But is Mike Boonhauser going to uh, change it up? Because this is what we said we wanted. We want Drew Holiday at the two. Or no, we want Drew Holiday at the one. We want Bobby Portis. At the two, P.J. Tucker has to come out of the starting lineup. Robin Lopez or Brooke Lopez has to co uh, come out of the starting lineup. Giannis has to drop down to the five. Um, Chris Middleton goes back to the three or the four, doesn't matter. And then Pat Connaughton also the three or the four. But Pat Connaughton and Chris Middleton should be your three and four. Giannis is the five. Drew Holiday is the one, and we got to see probably Bobby Portis at the two. Chris Middleton cannot play the two. That is not his strong suit. He is not this knockdown, deadly shooter. You don't even have to respect it. You you can leave him wide open. It doesn't matter. He needs to play a little bit of a four, three or a four. Same thing with Pat Connaughton. You can't put Brooke Lopez out there. We just saw him get killed out there. Absolutely murdered. Um... We'll see if they kind of uh, learn from their mistakes because, you know, the high pick and roll um, with Trey Young was absolutely open. Floater or just lob it up to Clint Capella. It's there all day. So, I don't know, man. I, I don't really trust Mike Boonhauser to get it done with the lineups. And I just believe in the Hawks, man. I mean, how can you not believe in Trey Young every single game? I mean, the man is looking absolutely stunning out there, folks. Absolutely magnificent, stunning, mar marvelous, miraculous, absolutely killer out there. Scoring the ball, facilitating the floor. It's looking all great. And then you just have to rely on Clint Capella, which we can absolutely. Bogdan Bogdanovich has been getting on our nerves a little bit. He hasn't been that great player that we've been seeing all season long. The consistency is no longer here in the playoffs. But can we talk about the job that John Collins is doing? John Collins is the I'm gonna I'm gonna call Trey Young the best player in the series, and then John Collins number two here, folks. He's getting it done. PJ Tucker cannot handle John Collins, so you got to get PJ. That's why we need PJ Tucker out of the starting lineup. If you're not gonna defend John Collins, and then you're also not a scoring threat out there, you need to go, folks. Especially against this Hawks team, where really kind of one through five can hit it and sling it, folks. So this Bucks team, they have too many non-scorers on this team. Brooke Lopez can't defend, and, you know, he hits a couple of threes, but, you know, he doesn't look to score. And P.J. Tucker just flat out doesn't score. And Giannis can only score under the basket. And Chris Middleton doesn't freaking score from outside because he's absolutely garbage um, on the three-point shot. So you got one person in that starting lineup that can hit a three? Okay, we're just going to clog the paint like we've been doing, and it's over. Yeah, Giannis is going to get his 30 by just muscling his way. Um, down low, but we expect that, and we kind of put that into the game. 
We build that into the game. His 30 plus, 30, 35, 36 points, whatever it is. He's going to get his down low, but nobody else is going to make us unclog the paint. We're still going to make Giannis work for every single point and get him to the free throw line a couple of times and live and die by that. But we're still going to clog the paint because we're not respecting any of these shooters. So we need Mike Boonhauser to try to... That's why we need Giannis at the five. He's a five. That's it. Can't extend the floor. Down low. Five. You're the five. Get down there. So I'm going to take the Hawks plus eight here, folks. Bucks show, showed me nothing in game one that I can truly sink my teeth into here. We'll see if Mike Boonhauser makes the right lineup adjustments. We don't think he does. He may still stick with Brooke Lopez out there. He may not. But even if he benches Brooke Lopez, he'll probably still keep P.J. Tucker out there, and that we don't like either. So, Hawks plus eight. The shooting is going to get it done. Herter, Bogdanovich, Trey Young, Gallinari, John Motherloving Collins, they'll all get it done. So, we're going to take the eight points again. We're not going to let that value pass us up again. Uh, fool us once, shame on us. Fool us twice. Can't get fooled again, folks. Hawks plus eight. Alrighty. Let's close out the show by doing our favorite thing, eh, which is judging Aaron Rodgers. Love it. You got this big attitude, big God complex. We're going to knock you down a peg a little bit because you're not so flawless yourself, my guy. So uh, we've been walking through his playoff performances here, giving him a grade on zero to 100 credit points. And we are now at the 2014 Divisional Playoff game against the Cowboys. So we'll look at the stats, watch the film, and see how many credit points Aaron Rodgers deserves for this playoff performance. They ended up winning. We'll see how much credit points he deserves for that. So let's uh, get the uh, stats up. He's going against Tony Romo. Unfortunate. No ring Tony Romo. Great broadcaster. Unfortunately, never got that coveted ring. Um, all righty. So here we go. Let's uh, we'll look at Aaron Rodgers' stats first. What did he do this game? Twenty-four of thirty-five for three hundred and sixteen yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Absolutely great there. Eddie Lacy running for hundred and one yards. Love that. And any fumbles? Ooh, Aaron Rodgers fumbled, folks. Fumbleuski. That's still a turnover. We'll see where it comes and how it comes and how it looks. But he fumbled twice, lost once, lost one of them, folks. So didn't throw a pick, but still turned the ball over. And let's just compare it to what Tony Romo did this game. 15 of 19, 191 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Really solid performance as well. Um, and then DeMarco Murray, 123 yards rushing. And do they have any fumbles? Tony Romo fumbled once, lost zero. And DeMarco Murray lost one and, or fumbled once and lost it. So a couple of turnovers here from both teams fumbling the ball. All right, so the stats are pretty good by Aaron Rodgers. These are great. I mean, 300 yards, fantastic. I mean, completion percentage is very good. I think they said 60 is that what we got here, 60%? What do we got? 68%. That's real solid, folks. Absolutely what we're looking for. So great stats there, but let's see how he's looking on these passes. Um, is it all his his, um, his doing on these touchdowns, these touchdown drives? So let's take a look at some of these scoring drives, and let's start getting into the tape. So their first drive, they go down and score a touchdown. That's real big Aaron Rodgers. He loves doing that. We see that time and time again. So let's start here with... Uh, Drive number one. Ooh, unfortunate. So sometimes when we go back here in these later games, uh, some of the stats don't load. Or right here when we're trying to look at these plays, the overall team just doesn't show up. So it's going to be a little, a little difficult to kind of parse through. 
but we'll we will do our 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 hardest like we do. Um. All right. Can we get a play up? All right. Here we go. <clears throat> let's um. Let's start this drive. Trying to reload this. All righty. That's not going well so far. All right. Can we reload this? Are we still live? We are still live. That's always good. This is taking a little long to load. All righty. Maybe going through a little bit of a turbulent <laughs> turbulence in our Wi-Fi, our connection. But we are still showing live, so that's not bad. We just can't see anything. <laughs> we just can't bring up any information. All right, so we'll, we'll give it a couple of seconds here to see if anything loads back up. Not great. What else can we talk about as we're looking for this? Because everything's kind of down. We can uh, still look at some of these drive charts. All right. We'll have to do that while everything else loads. If it loads. Hopefully, we may have to end the show now. Unfortunate. But uh, let's uh, see what we're looking at in these drive charts. So, first drive. We get the touchdown. What do we got? We'll walk through it manually. Uh, we get a one-yard run. Negative one-yard run to start off the rip. Then we get an 11-yard pass. Aaron Rodgers short left to Jordy Nelson for 11 yards. Picking up the first. Not bad there. What do we got? It's loading back up. No. Okay. Great. Uh, that's what you get for live, folks. That's what we get going live. Don't understand why the Wi-Fi is acting up. We are hardwired in here, folks. Hardwired. Getting it right from the source. Juice right from the source. All right. Back to the uh, touchdown drive. We got an 11-yard pass, a 19-yard run by Eddie Lacy, a 5-yard run by Eddie Lacy, a 10-yard run by Eddie Lacy, an 8-yard run by Eddie Lacy, a 4-yard run by Eddie Lacy, a run for no gain, pass incomplete by Aaron Rodgers, and then their third and goal from Dallas's 4-yard line, and then he slings it in there. So heavy rushing on this drive, and then Aaron Rodgers is able to get it done. From the four-yard line, pass short over the middle to Corliss. All right, so that drive's not 100%. We got to definitely watch those throws here, there. But overall, really not uh, really not all Aaron Rodgers on there. And here we go. Oh, yeah, here we go. We're back, baby. We got the connection back. Thanks for sticking around with us. We truly appreciate it. We knew it was going to come back. All right, so let's uh, since we broke down the drive, let's see how it's working. We're just going to start from the uh, the touchdown pass. Because everything else was rushing, and now we got the uh, we got the uh, the team right next to the play, so we can go quickly. So let's go to this play right here, third and four from Dallas's four yard line. Aaron Rodgers dropping back to pass, uh, looking to run with it up the middle, but then just finds him in the back of the end zone. Great pass here, not totally wide open. Defender right kind of on his hip, but Aaron Rodgers puts it absolutely beautifully, folks. Right on him, and that's a touchdown. So great touchdown pass there by Aaron Rodgers. Set up a lot by the run, but he goes and capitalizes with uh, the touchdown pass. Alrighty, then the Cowboys go down and tie up the game 7-7. Is this a uh, touchdown pass by our man Tony Romo? What do we got? We're not going to watch it, but let's uh, read what we got. Tony Romo passed short. Uh, one yard pass by Tony Romo. Love it. Get it done, Romo. Alrighty, on the Packers next drive, we get a fumble. Who's going to fumble here? So let's watch this drive, and let's watch why it stalled and why why they fumbled here. Whoever it is, whoever fumbled, why, why, why? So 
Let's go here, and it's a 14. It's a 7-7 game, folks. Right tied up. No time for mistakes here. So here we go. First play. They're going to hand off the ball to James Starks. Picks up four yards. Let's see what we get here. Second and six, Aaron Rodgers. Play action pass. Going deep, and it's an overthrow. Wide open, an overthrow on the right side of the field. Aaron Rodgers. Unfortunate. So now third and six. Not the greatest. So an incomplete there, looking real bad. The touchdown we give him credit for, incomplete pass. Overthrow, his fault. Now we get third and six. A do or die here to keep the drive moving. Here we go. Drops back to pass. Stays in the pocket. Four plus seconds. And then he goes down. Sack. Oh, but they get bailed out by a flag. I mean, folks, how many times? We see this time and time again in these playoffs getting bailed out by the penalties in his own defense, folks. So let's see what they call here. Holding defense, folks. Let's see if we get a we let's see if we get a, a look here on this holding. Let's see. Here we go, number thirty-nine here. Let's see, going against Jordy Nelson, a little tug on the jersey. Oh my God, really? Nah. It's a little tug on kind of the jersey sh from the shoulder. Little little tug. Then he lets him go. Jordy Nelson kind of sells little uh, sells it a little bit by stumbling. Overall, I don't like the call, but he gets bailed out again. Classic Aaron Rodgers. Now we go first and ten. What do we get here? First and ten after picking up the first down off the penalty. So we're gonna write bail out on the penalty as well. And then freaking man, oh man, these Russell Okun, absolutely garbage stone hands. I know he's like the fullback, but still, jeez. Alrighty, so dropped by the fullback there. Now we get second and ten. They're going to go with the rush, and it picks up negative yards. It's third and 11 now. Can Aaron Rodgers get it done? Here we go. From his own 40-yard line, third and 11. Aaron Rodgers, pressure is on you to get it done. Here we go. Oh, draws him off sides. That's the Aaron Rodgers we know and love. And then takes a deep shot. Oh, man, just let him a little bit too much out of bounds there by Jordy Nelson. Uh, great deep ball by Aaron Rodgers. Just put it a little bit too much on the sideline, and Jordy Nelson ran out of real estate on the edge. But he gets him off sides. That's classic Aaron Rodgers, folks. We know he does that perfectly. He's the only player that really does it more than one time in a season. He'll get you multiple times in a game, folks. All right, so here we go, third and six. Another first down attempt here, another third down attempt to pick up the first down. Will he get bailed out again or will he pick it up? Drops back to pass over the middle of the field, and there we go. A little bit maybe behind, but Rob, uh, Randall Cobb makes the catch beautifully. Let's see if we get another look here just to see exactly where he puts the ball because it did kind of look like Randall Cobb went up behind him a little bit. Oh, no, just a little high. It's right on the money. That's a great pass. Oh, that's oh, that's right on the money. That's nothing. Uh, so great job there by Aaron Rodgers on a pressured third down. And now he keeps the ball moving. First and 10, keeping the ball moving. Chains moving. Now across midfield at the 43 of Dallas. Let's see what he does. Hands off the ball. We still got the fumble coming. We don't know who it's by yet. We do know Aaron Rodgers fumbles once. Is this his time? Uh, second and six after the run picks up four. They go to James Starks. That picks up about another four. Three officially, so another third and three here. Aaron Rodgers. 
In the shotgun, James Starks to his right, and we got four wide. Here we go. Third and three. And they decide to run the ball, and they pick it up. Very well done. So once again, running the ball here. It is very cold here. They are talking about the weather a lot. So cold ball, you know, making it more difficult to catch. Harder ball there. Everything like that. But it's Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't care about the cold. He lives in the cold. Come on. We can't make that as an excuse here. <clears throat> All right, first and 10 from the Cowboys 30. Why is this drive going to stall? Just a kind of wide receiver screen, and it picks up about three yards. All righty. Second and seven now. Ah, jeez, jeez. We went all the way back, unfortunately, so let's get back to where we were. Here we go, second and seven. Rodgers dropping back to pass. And then just overthrows in the end zone way too high. So not the best pass there by Aaron Rodgers. A chance to score, and he doesn't. And then we're going to get the fumble on this play, folks. Third and seven, another third down. Aaron Rodgers not getting bailed out finally. Bailed out by the penalty. They picked up the other one on the ground. Let's see what Aaron Rodgers does here. Clapping for the ball. Rodgers. And look at him get sacked, folks, and careless with the ball. Didn't look like he was ready for the ball. Fumbled the snap right off the rip as well, but got control of it, got set, and was kind of, you know, solid two seconds in the pocket to regain control. And then he just kind of, you know, we'll see it right here. Just wasn't ready for the ball, but he still recovered the ball. Two seconds. Two seconds solid with the ball in the pocket, and then the rush gets there, and he doesn't protect the ball. I mean, they were ready to score points, folks. They were in scoring range for at least a field goal, and he fumbles the ball. Classic Aaron Rodgers right there. Big-time situation. He fumbles in scoring, scoring territory. That's going to be a negative against him when we judge up all of his points. So fumbles in scoring territory. Noting that. All righty. What do the Cowboys do with that drive? They go down and score a touchdown. Great by them, putting up the pressure. And what do the Green Bay Packers do on their next drive? They go six and out. Let's see why they go six and out here. So let's start this 8-19 left in the second quarter. I mean, Tony Romo just put the pressure on him. Put the pressure on him by scoring. By scoring. And Aaron Rodgers can't kind of answer. Let's see why. So first and 10 starting at their own 20. They hand off the ball to Eddie Lacy. It goes nowhere. Second and 10 now. Quick throw out to the left side. Picks up one. One yard. Now we get third and eight. Rodgers drops back to pass. Going to the right. And that's going to be caught. Yes, sir. Jordy Nelson. Good throw there. And they pick up the first. Alrighty, now why does the drive stall officially? Here we go, first and ten. Play action pass. Rodgers, just once again, not a good throw here. Either miscommunication on whoever's part, but he throws it outside when the receiver went inside. On Aaron Rodgers, we got to call it. Here we go, second and ten. They hand off the ball. Picks up about two. Brings up third and eight now. Can Aaron Rodgers, if he doesn't get bailed out by the penalty, he'll fumble. They'll run the ball to pick up the first. Let's see how they pick up this third and eight, if they do it at all. Why does the drive stall? Here we go. 
Drops back to pass. Here we go. Rodgers over the middle. Oh, man. Off Jordy Nelson's hands, man. That seemed like a great pass as well. So it's not all on Aaron Rodgers. You know, we know he's a great passer. We're not all here to bang on Aaron Rodgers. Let's see this pass from this angle. Here we go. Absolutely great. Maybe a tad behind. A tad behind Jordy Nelson. Tad. I would probably say that's like 80% on Jordy Nelson, 20% on Aaron Rodgers. Unfortunate. And the drive stalls. Uh, and then the Cowboys go down and they miss a field goal. Damn, they miss a 50-yard that is blocked. And then the Packers go down and score a field goal right before half. We get a 32-yard pass play. Let's watch this drive here because we got a couple of good completions by Aaron Rodgers. So let's see what happened on this drive. Here we go. Field goal starting with 29 seconds left, and he marches them down the field to get into field goal range. Once again, that's classic classic Aaron Rodgers doing something before half, not a lot of time. You got to respect him for that. So getting the ball with 29 seconds, let's see where they are on the field. All right, at their own 40-yard line, Rodgers dropping back to pass. Over the middle, way, wow, way low and inside, and they got it there. Had to squeeze it in between two defenders. You give them credit for that pass, absolutely. Let's see. Ooh, yeah, that looked like it maybe hit the ground. <laughs> I think that hit the ground, but uh, they're both reviewing it, and I think they're going to keep the call on the field. And they say it stands. It looked like it may have hit the ground, but they call the catch on the field, and they stick with the call. But we'll still give Aaron Rodgers credit for it since it was a completion. Here we go. Now across midfield, 22 seconds left, two timeouts, so they can do whatever they want. Aaron Rodgers getting brought down. Sack. Lucky they had those two timeouts, folks. Just takes way too much time. Jordy Nelson, nothing really open. And we know that Aaron Rodgers doesn't like to let the ball fly. If it's not there, he'll just take the sack or throw it away. He doesn't like to throw a lot of picks. That's kind of one of his accolades that he kind of, you know, builds his greatest of all time argument on, not throwing a lot of picks. But here we go, second and 20. Now back at their own 42-yard line from the sack, and he's going deep, and it's wide open right on the sideline. Randall Cobb right at the, like, 25-yard line, and Rodgers puts it right on the money. Woof. Alrighty, they got one more try here. Nine seconds left, and then they can, so they go wide receiver screen, get a couple more yards, get down, take the timeout with three seconds left. So Aaron Rodgers on that uh, field goal drive, I mean, that was absolutely fantastic. I mean, a great ball. I think it was like 30 yards. Aaron Rodgers responsible for the three points. Fantastic. Right before halftime to make it a four-point game going into half. But out of half, they go six and out. Not great. Five-yard run, four-yard run, one-yard run, and then we get pass incomplete. So let's pick it up here. It's a pass incomplete, four-yard run, and pass incomplete on this drive coming out of half. And that's another thing that we see time and time again by Aaron Rodgers not scoring out of halftime, especially when you're down, um, not kind of taking that momentum back, not getting back up. So not the greatest here by Aaron Rodgers, but let's see if, their fault, if it's his fault here on these incomplete passes. So here we go, first and ten. And just way too high. Ball kind of sailing on Aaron Rodgers here. And we know it's cold, but still, if he's so great, like, get it done. Get it done. Uh, all right, here we go. 
Second and 10, they go handoff, and it picks up four. And then here we go, third and six. Aaron Rodgers, no call bailout. Let's see. He's going deep. And just, once again, overthrow. Overthrowing the ball here. It's decently open by Randall Cobb if you put it on him. He overthrows the ball again. So we're seeing tons of overthrows here by Aaron Rodgers. Luckily, they're going to win the game regardless. But still, I mean, if it was a closer game, let's see. All right, so... Cowboys go and fumble, and then Aaron Rodgers, once again, just kind of taking advantage of the short field, starting at the Dallas' 44-yard line. Let's see how they go down and score this uh, field goal, and why does it stall? Why does this drive stall as well? They can't cash in for the touchdown, having great field position. So let's cue this up at 11.04. Here we go. Starting at the Cowboys' 44-yard line because of the fumble, folks. Great starting field position. Run. It picks up negative one yards. Now we get second and 11 here. Aaron Rodgers drops back the pass. Actually hands it off, and Eddie Lacy goes all the way down to the 15. So not even Aaron Rodgers on this kind of sudden drive because of the turnover. Alrighty, they are hurrying it up a little bit. They hand it right back off. Picks up about four. Now we get second and six from the 11, folks, in the red zone. Come on, Aaron, get it done in the red zone. We know you're not the best here. A nice slant to uh, Dev uh, Devontae Adams. Short of the first down. And then a flag comes in. Let's see what they call on this flag. See what this call is. A lot of replay skipping through. Unnecessary roughness on the offense on Green Bay. Unfortunate. So making it harder for them to score. Making it harder for them to get this first down. We'll see what the official down and distance is going to be. Once we get there, got to keep skipping. Now it's third and 16. Truly unfortunate. And that's kind of why this drive is going to stall. Let's see if Aaron Rodgers can pick this up. Make it competitive here. Here we go. Third and 16 from their own 22-yard line. Drops back to pass. Aaron Rodgers just dinks it off. Dumps it off. Picked up about maybe 11 yards, but they have to settle for a field goal. So Aaron Rodgers, once again, not taking that shot in the kind of, you know, uh, red zone territory we set at the 22 to, pick, to try to pick up that first down. Kind of settling for the three points. Unfortunate. So it's a one-point game now. Let's get back to the drive charts. Um, Dallas goes down and puts the pressure right back on them, scoring a touchdown. And then we get a touchdown by the Packers themselves as well. So let's see what happens on this drive. We get a 7-yard pass, a pass incomplete, 16-yard pass. We'll start it here at the 16-yard pass. Try to hurry this up a little bit, going a little late in the show. So let's start here, and then we got the final drive where they score a touchdown. So uh, two drives here by Aaron Rodgers to score touchdowns when they truly need it. So let's see if it's all Aaron Rodgers uh, on his shoulder. So here we go. Let's cue it up here at 321 left in the third quarter where we get a pass complete, and then we'll follow the drive.
All righty, so here we go. Third and three now. Aaron Rodgers picks it up. Very well done to Devontae Adams. All right, empties out the backfield on first and 10. The ball is at their own 33-yard line. They are down eight points. And then over the middle of the field, a great pass there. woo Got it in between two tight defenders, and it just is able to get to the uh, receiver. Man, jeez, that's great. Here we go. Now across midfield, Aaron Rodgers steps up in the pocket. Incomplete pass there, just, uh, it's in his hands. It's in Jordy Nelson's hands, but it's great defense by the defender right on him. Cowboys call a timeout, got to skip, skip, skip. Let's see, here we go. Second and 10 from the Cowboys 40, and this is just way, way behind Devontae Adams there for an incomplete pass. And now we get third and 10, empty backfield. Let's see what Rodgers does on this play from the Cowboys 41, down eight. Pressure is on Aaron Rodgers, and oh, he gets his own offense. He gets his wide receiver offsides with the hard count, making it harder on him to get it down now. Here we go, third and 15. Here we go. Just gets the playoff in time. Stays in the pocket. Oh, my gosh. Just puts the ball right on the money to Devontae Adams. He breaks it out to the outside. It's wide open. Wow. Busted defense by the Cowboys. Aaron Rodgers fitting the ball in fantastically. And then Devontae Adams doing his thing. Rookie Devontae Adams, I believe, this year as well. Love seeing that. So, they go for that, and then do they go for the two-point conversion? No, they just settle for the field goal. One-point game now, and then here we go. Packers last drive here. Down one point, needs something here. So, let's close it off here, and then we'll give Aaron Rodgers his points here. So, here we go. Let's queue up this drive, 13-29. It's a touchdown drive. They are down one point, starting at their own 20-yard line. Play-action pass to start the drive. Start of the fourth quarter as well, basically. And they just dump it off to the safety net. And it picks up the first down, 12 yards. Here we go. Going up tempo a little bit. Aaron Rodgers. Hands off the ball. And gets about two. Here we go, second and eight. Drops back to pass, pump fake. Then goes the other way to Devontae Adams, who stays on his feet, man. You can't bring this man down. Better wrap this man up. He's running wild on this defense. Officially over midfield now. Five wide. Dumps it down. Six-yard gain to Randall Cobb. Seven-yard gain officially. Then they go to the right side. Let's see. Was this a pass? Let's see what happens here. Second and three. Now across midfield. This Cowboys defense hasn't been able to stop them. Just quick to the uh, running back there. Randall Cobb was lined up in the running back, and they just dump it off to him real quickly. Get some nice speed on the edge. Now getting into the red zone from the 27. Rodgers standing in the pocket all day. And then just dumps it out to the sideline on the left side. Perfect. Picks up about six officially. 
knocking on the door of the red zone, basically at the 20, at the 20 and a half yard marker of the Cowboys. They need a touchdown. They need any points here. He just shovels it out over the middle of the field to the safety blanket, picks up the first down, now officially in the red zone. Let's get it to this play. Got to keep skipping, skipping. One more skip, and here we go. Aaron Rodgers sets his feet. Oh, my gosh. Threaded the ball in there. Two defenders converging in, and he's able to squeeze it in there. Man, oh, man. We got to see a replay in this one, hopefully in slow motion, because he just fit this ball into a tight-ass window to take the lead, and that's the bad man Aaron Rodgers right there. Let's see. Let's see, here we go. Escapes the pocket, rolling out to the left a little bit, keeping his eyes down the field, and then, oh my God, look at this tight window. Defenders converging, but the velocity of the ball is just there. Amazing throw there by Aaron Rodgers, and that's basically the game. They go up, uh, oh, they're going to go for the two. Let's see how they get this two-pointer. If they, I don't, you know, they don't get it, so let's see why they don't get it. Here we go. Do they hand it off? Does Aaron Rodgers try it? It's a pass, and it's just a fade, and it's a bad fade. It's a bad one-on-one -on -one throw, and it's incomplete. So, once again, Aaron Rodgers, it's a great touchdown, but uh, kind of relying on the defense a little bit to end the game, to ice the game. So, here we go. Let's uh, finish it here by uh, talking through the Cowboys drive chart. This is the last drive here. They're down five. They go 30-yard run by DeMarco Murray, getting it to the Cowboys' 48-yard line. Two-yard run, 10-yard pass. Two-yard run, we're at the Green Bay 40. A sack on Tony Romo. A nine-yard pass. And then fourth and two, it's an incomplete pass. Oh, it's a challenge play. Oh, no. Oh, is this the Des Bryant catch? Uh, let's see. Oh, is this? Oh, yeah, we got to watch this play. Uh, 442 left here. If my memory serves me right, this should have been a no catch, and it was a no catch. But let's see. Is this the, the Des caught it play? Here we go, Tony Romo, fourth and two from his own, uh, from the, oh my God, Des Bryant right down at the goal line, holy cow, they call catch on the field, but then they review it and overturn it, jeez, once again, you know, little bailout by Aaron Rodgers again, by the defense, by the, re by the replay officials, let's see, does he catch it, so he goes up, high points the ball, catches it, goes to secure it. Goes to make a football move. Oh, man. Can't control it through the ground, though. But I don't think that really happens here. Does he need the ground move? He goes up and catches it. That's a big old moss. Yes, sir. By Des Bryant. Brings it back into his body. We see him get one feet down, two feet down. I don't think you need to secure this back to the ground. The ground is going to be the thing that forces the ball out man and that would have put them right down at the one yard line folks that would have put them down at the one yard line and they call incomplete they reversed the call to incomplete I can't believe it Jeez, wow a little bit of a bell out there by Aaron Rodgers no for Aaron Rodgers no four minutes left they go down and score a touchdown then the game's right back in Aaron Rodgers' hand. Can he get it done? Pressure's on him. So out of 100 credit points, we had a couple of we had the turnover, we had the fumble, 
We had a couple of bailouts. He had some great throws for those touchdowns. Don't get us wrong. We also had this bailout by the overturn by Des Bryant not catching it. <sighs> I think that's a catch. I think you got to credit that as a catch, honestly. Um, so out of 100 credit points, I think I got to give him 65 out of 100. Um, some good throws there, absolutely. Some drops by the receivers. Uh, you know, we, we, we see that all the, all the time. But some good throws there. He got it down in the clutch when he needed to. That's some plus there. The, the, the turnover, though, the fumble in scoring territory, um, not great. The bailouts on those penalties. Those overthrows, saw a lot of overthrows, but we'll give him 65 out of 100. The does catch, the fumble, the overthrows, and the bailouts on some penalties there is why we're knocking him out of 100, knocking him 35 points there. So, Alrighty, folks, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening, and we will be back tomorrow live, folks. All right.